Hello, I'm Siobhan Morris. Welcome along to the latest episode in UCL Grand Challenges podcast series. Today, my colleague Nina Quash and I are in conversation with Dr. Kartikeya Tripathi, lecturer in the Department of Crime Science at UCL. Dr. Tripathi recently received a small grant from UCL's Grand Challenge of Justice and Equality for the project Police Response to Runaway Adolescents on Mumbai's Rail Network. With over 3,000 missing children found annually on the rail network, the project studied the response of railway police in Mumbai to runaway adolescents and how it was trying to safeguard their rights in the process through undertaking a range of interviews with key stakeholders from the police, child welfare officials and NGOs working in the field. So welcome and thank you very much for joining us today. I have given the briefest of overviews of the project and your work. Um, Could you maybe elaborate slightly? Definitely. Thank you so much for inviting me for that podcast so that I can talk about this research. I've been working with the railway police in Mumbai for the past nine years now. My uh, own PhD, which I did at uh, UCL here, was on uh, counterterrorism response to IEDs on metro rails. So I've had contacts with police and railway police for a while now and I'm aware of the problems that they face and it's during these interactions with senior police officers that I learned about the staggering number of uh, missing children that railway police in Mumbai responds to. As you yourself mentioned it's about 3,000 in a year and in certain years it even goes up to about 4,000 children in a year. So it was a topic that I was interested in studying and then applied for a small grant in order to study the railway police's response to this issue. And that's how the project started. So what did you find? Julian Walker and me, who's Mm -hmm. an uh, associate professor at Development Planning Unit at UCL. So we are the collaborators on this project. And initially we went in with an open mind and we wanted to see how is the railway police in Mumbai trying to implement a progressive order which was passed by one of the high courts in India? What this order said was that every missing child who's found on the railway network should be treated in a manner that you protect their welfare and their rights. And given the context, which is India and the way police has traditionally responded to cases of missing children, this was quite a revolutionary order. And what the courts were trying to do was set up a system which was similar to that which exists in developed countries, where you take each individual case very seriously and you work with the child in order to understand what's best in their welfare. And you involve institutions other than the police, Mm. such as counsellors and child welfare specialists and NGOs, to come into the process with this understanding that they understand the rights of the child better. Initially, when we started this project, our whole idea was to see the challenges that the police is facing in order to implement this order. But as we went along and as the fieldwork started and we met with multiple partners, we realized that it's an extremely complicated problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe just the order in itself was not enough for the police to do what was expected will happen. Of course, it's a very complex and multifaceted problem. And we've mentioned you have a background in crime science and your collaborator was in the planning unit and you worked with a variety of external partners as well. Could you tell us a bit how this collaboration went and what you learned from each other and learned about the project that you wouldn't have otherwise? 
Uh, Julian, like I mentioned, is an associate professor at Development Planning Unit, and he's been working in the area of child rights and adolescents' welfare for a long time now. And it was just, I mean, so exciting for me to learn about uh, the frameworks that they use in mm. DPU in order to understand how multiple agencies respond to complex social problems. And that's something that I hadn't done as a crime scientist. So our approach is often very data-driven, and we work a lot with the police. And we do look at the complexity of crime problems, but when it comes to issues such as child welfare and adolescent rights and policy initiatives, I haven't done that much in the field. And Julian has vast experience in doing that. And when we got together, just through the initial meetings, I realized that his experience would help me look at this problem with a fresh perspective and understand it more. Like I said, that was really useful because once we started collecting the data, we realized that it's not an issue that can be dealt with only through the crime science perspective or the planning and welfare perspective. We both had to come together in order to understand it. And did Julian help a lot with the kind of ethical dimensions of doing such a project as this? Yes, he did. Because like I said, he has experience in working with yeah. adolescents and, and looking at the, their rights issues. And um, just through that, I felt more comfortable going into yeah. this field because this is not an area that I worked in before. Julian and me traveled to Mumbai together and uh, he spent a week there trying to understand the context and uh, kind of data that exists and the challenges that there are in uh, Mumbai. And while he was on that trip with me, I learned a lot from him about how we should go ahead and collect the data. What are the points we should keep in mind that will come into play later when we start analyzing the data? What are the questions that we should ask or shouldn't ask yeah. and the manner of interviewing? That was really helpful because I don't think that's something that Julian could have been able to explain or understand or appreciate being in London alone. So meeting with different partners like police officers and NGO representatives and child welfare officers, did you find that they were approaching the problem from very different perspectives? Absolutely. I mean, this was one of the key findings of this uh, project so far, and that is the multiple ways in which different institutions and organizations interpret the phrase child welfare. Mm. So if you ask a police officer, their understanding of child welfare often is to reunite the children as soon as possible with their families. And I kind of understand the logic for it, because for the police, it's a minor who has uh, come to Mumbai, is there on their own, and they're worried that they might fall into bigger danger or there's a risk to their well-being. And they believe that the best place for them to be is with their family. Now, that police perspective was different from what many of our NGO partners felt. When we spoke to childcare workers or we worked with child welfare advocates, what they tried to say was that often these children are facing physical, economic, or sexual abuse at home themselves. And 
not for all cases, but for some cases, they disagreed with the police that it is always in the best interest of the child mm. to be reunited with their family. They expected these children to be taken into care by the state or to be placed with other agencies like NGOs, where they felt rightly that the children were safer. Then again, if you speak to members of the judiciary, they are interested in applying the law and happy to interpret the law liberally if they feel that child rights can be protected. Mm. But then they were bound by structure and they were bound by formal rules in what they can do with each individual case. My understanding was that at an individual level, all the respondents who were dealing with these cases felt that they were doing the best that they could mm. to protect child rights. But often their actions were in conflict with each other. And that was really interesting for us to find out. If I'm right in understanding, a lot of these different agencies suffer from a lack of resource. And one of the things that I read of the project's findings was around police officers often having to pay for food for the children as well. So could you maybe elaborate slightly on the problem in terms of resource on the ground and how many NGOs are working in this space? That is a very good question and it comes to the heart of the problem as we see it. Now, the High Court created this framework which the police and anyone who responds to missing children should use in Mumbai and all other cities in India. But what's really happened is that it is essentially the railway police which is at the front line of dealing with this problem. And they've been given this additional responsibility without creation of additional resources. Mm. So we found that it often takes 12 to 18 hours of a police constable's job to just deal with one case. That would include doing all the paperwork for the child who's been found. It includes taking them for a medical examination where police officers have to wait for several hours before they can see a doctor who would conduct the medical examination. Then you'd be surprised to know that they even struggle to place these children in care homes because the ones that are there in Mumbai are either full or they do not want to accept the child who's been taken to them. So, for example, there are some care homes which are only for girls. And if you have a missing child who's a boy, you can't take them there. There are others who are for younger children. And if the child is 14 or 15 years old, you can they, they won't accept them. So unlike the developed countries where you have dedicated social welfare services yeah. which deal with this issue, in India it is left entirely for the police to do. And it is on top of the job that they're already doing, which is you know crowd management or responding to crime or taking down reports of crime. And the police, I think, rightly sees it as an additional burden which they are not ready to cope with. Mm. And where the state has really failed is to create those mechanisms and those resources which would support the police. For example, we have a number of NGOs working in the field. In Mumbai itself, there are about seven or eight big NGOs who work on issues of child welfare. But they've not been given the same powers or the responsibilities as the police to take care of these children. Yeah. So ultimately, everybody just ends up involving the railway police, mm. which is not really ready to do this. 
Did you gain a sense of the public perception of this problem as well when you were visiting Mumbai? I believe the findings were picked up in the media in the Times of India. So I wondered how well known such a problem is more generally. Mumbai is one of the most progressive and cosmopolitan cities in India. It's also one of the largest metropolitan cities in India. It is the financial capital. Generally speaking, compared to the rest of the country, people are better off economically, more educated, more aware. And uh, Mumbai's rail system always had this image of a large number of unaccompanied children running around. It's been seen in, you know, popular media, like movies like Slumdog Millionaire, which refer to these, you know, gangs of children who work on railway stations and make a living through petty crime or some of the jobs. So in Mumbai, there's always been this great awareness of uh, street children. The public is quite well aware. Through this order, the government has set up helplines, which citizens can call if they spot an unaccompanied minor, or if they feel that there's a child who's in danger. So there is a good understanding of this issue, and the public is quite responsive, which in a way is good, because uh, now, as time has passed, it's harder to find minors on railway station premises. You mentioned Slumdog Millionaire, and I was thinking of Lion as mm-hmm. well. Do you think films like that and media narratives are helpful in this space in terms of awareness raising or are they actually unhelpful in cementing some of the preconceptions? I think that films like that really don't help. In fact, they've created this pressure of a negative image around these children and also it's taken us some sort of negative publicity of the Indian system and society. I mean, you can respond to it in two ways. Either you can build a system which deals with the problem, or you can have a response where you're essentially just removing these children from public eye. A lot of what is happening right now is that you will not see such children at railway stations or traffic signals because someone's reported them and They've been taken into care. But then what after that? Until now, a lot of that which has happened has been cosmetic to an extent as far as child welfare is concerned or thinking through what's best for these children is concerned. So do you think that this awareness and research will influence policy into creating appropriate structures and allocating resources to help with this problem? So as Siobhan mentioned, we've already got traction in terms of the fact that this research has been covered in Times of India, which is India's largest uh, English newspaper. And it especially highlighted the findings of the study that the burden which has been created upon the police and, and how it's finding it difficult to respond to the problem. So we do believe that there is now this space where this problem is being understood And the first step, which was taken by the High Court, should be appreciated by everybody because it at least acknowledged that there is this problem and we need to work towards the welfare of these children who most often come from some of the poorest sections of the Indian society. And before this order, they were just kind of left to themselves. So there is this initiative to create a support mechanism for these children. But the next step really is about enabling 
the state agencies to be able to do that. And the fact that this study has been highlighted, has been reported in the media, people have talked about it, gives us real hope that this is what will start happening next. And you're now developing an app to hopefully take that next step and track some of these missing children. Yes, that has been an exciting development of this research project because what we found out was the police is overwhelmed by these cases. And each individual case is quite complicated. I mean, it depends on the gender of the missing child. Mm. It depends upon their age. It depends upon the reasons for which they may have run away from home. It depends on the reasons for which they may have been trafficked. But the way the system deals with it now is that they're all put under one category. Now, during these discussions with our NGO partners, we came up with this idea of developing an app which could keep track of individual cases as they move through the system. So this is not an app for children who've been reported missing, but an app for children who've been found by the police. It's very interesting to understand that these children, once they've been found by the police, can be lost again. It doesn't really make sense, but if you go and you do fieldwork on the ground, you realize that there are 95 police stations in the city of Mumbai. And that child could have been found by any one of those. If the parents go to any other police station than the one where the child was found, the police is not able to tell them immediately whether the child is still at the police station, whether they've been moved to a care home. If they've been moved to a care home, then which one? So we thought, why not develop an app which brings all this information on one platform and is shared between the police stations? so that they can immediately tell the status of that child. And we once again got a grant for a six-month project to study the feasibility of an app. That's what I'm doing right now. And again, it's a collaboration, this time with a computer scientist. So it will hopefully eradicate some of the bureaucracy, both for the police and also for the parents. Yes, The way we see the app, it has multiple benefits. I mean, the first immediate benefit is that it reduces the time in reuniting a missing child with their parent or their family. It really helps with the bureaucracy and the paperwork because it's electronic. It's on the tip of your finger. And another real benefit of an app like that is that the care homes start getting decluttered. So essentially what happens now is because it's taking that much longer for the parents to be reunited with their children, the children continue to be held by the state. And that's not an ideal place for them, especially when their parents are already looking for them, because that increases the burden on the care homes. It means that the people who work there cannot devote their time only to the most essential cases. They have to look after a lot of children. So what the app will ensure is that the children are able to move faster through the system. They are reunited faster, thus freeing up the resources to look after the critical cases. One one thing we have to understand is that these are children uh, from backgrounds of families which really don't matter. And often the parents are so grateful whenever they are reunited with their children that they really don't question the inefficiency Mm. of the system. Because they're just glad that someone found their child and they're grateful to the police and the government and the NGOs that the children were looked after. They don't have 
the political power or the identity or the social status to question what's happening. One of the things I found interesting about what you were saying was um, around how these children themselves really don't have a voice. Of at every stage, it's a decision has been made for them. As you said, they've run away for a reason. They're missing for a reason. But it sounded from what you were saying as if they're never really considered or asked their opinion. It's just, right, we have a, a box to tick of we know what's best for you or we know which bureaucratic system to move you on to next. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, it's an extremely bureaucratic system mm. and it's obsessed with just reuniting those children with their parents. The children are never really asked why they ran away. Mm. In fact, there's a preset idea that the children would have run away for a couple of reasons. So in cases of the boys, people almost always conclude that they ran away because they failed in the exams or they wanted to come to Mumbai to meet a Bollywood star. In the cases of girls, people just believe that they ran away because of a love affair. And a common reason which is given all the time these days is that the girl met someone online, she started Mm. chatting with him, and the the guy said, why don't you come to Mumbai? And she ran away from home. Those are the reasons which go on their files. And once they've been recorded, we lose all opportunity to collect any data or understand the real reasons for which they may have run away. This is something that we want to work through so that each case can be seen on its own merit. So aside from the app, what's next, both for yourself and for the the research coming out of the project? So immediately speaking, what we have planned for this year, Julian and me, is a workshop for all our partners in this project to come together and answer one question, which we've been struggling to answer ourselves, which is, is it always in the best interest of the child to be reunited with their Mm. parents? If you think of it, it's quite a complicated issue especially in a society like India, where a missing child has very few alternatives. I mean, if they're taken in state care, it's not that great. Mm. If they're reunited with their family, like I said, there are often risks that they run at home itself. So is it good for them? So what we thought was that we'll organize a two-day workshop where we'll get all our partners together and try and get them to answer this question. And hopefully we will build some sort of awareness amongst everybody that each case needs to be treated on its own merit. And there will be some cases where the children actually need protection from their families rather than being sent back to them. So that's next for this project. Yeah, you've got a very important role to play as a neutral broker, I suppose, amongst the police, the NGOs, parents, children. It's, yeah, it's really vital work. It must be a very difficult question to answer in terms of finding the answer, but also finding who's responsible for making that decision and who then is accountable for for that decision and its consequences. Yes, exactly. I mean, the decision-making process right now is not very clear. I mean, ultimately, this decision is taken by governmental agencies and they enjoy a certain degree of immunity because they have to take these executive decisions. And if you keep questioning every decision that they take or if you make it harder for them to take these decisions, then you're going to run into all sorts of problems. 
But the real issue here is that we want the decision makers to understand the implications of their decisions. And that can happen if they show greater appreciation of how nuanced all of those cases are. And everybody that I met during the course of this project wants to safeguard child welfare. They have the interest of the child in their heart, but there is always this trade-off between the pressure under which they work, the number of cases that they have, the lack of resources, and what they think is in the best interest of the child. And once they start understanding that there is so much more that they can do, we will see greater progress in this area. Finally, do you think this is something that's replicable across different cities across India? Absolutely. The app is definitely replicable. When we started thinking of the app, we were not thinking of it only for Mumbai or only for the rail police. We were thinking of it as a nationwide app. This problem with missing children or missing people is not just an India-centric problem. There is a huge issue even in a developed country like America where a number of people are reported missing and we don't know where they are. And they are often registered in different parts of the system. These could be children, these could be people with mental health issues, these could be adults who have run away from home. What we really want to do is bring a greater understanding of this issue into research because it's very important to understand that in most societies, children or people who are going missing are often from the weakest sections of society. As researchers, by using technology, if we can bring more awareness and resources into this area, I think it'll be a great thing. Lessons for us all. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's fascinating to hear about your work. Thank you. Thank you so much.